evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in space and time, welcome to this week's episode of Marvelous, in which we cover episode 6, the finale of Loki, for all time, always. I'm delighted to be joined this evening by Matthew. Hello. And Laura. Hello. And in this incredible week in which we can finally confirm that, as we have been pondering throughout this podcast, that yes, Kylie Minogue is a part of the MCU. Mm -hmm. We should be so lucky. Oh, yes. What a joy. Matthew, what did you think of this week's episode? Uh, I, I'm a little let down by this series, I will admit. I it, it is all my frustrations with modern television of not having a conclusion, uh, being there to continue the story rather than actually giving you definite stories. Um, I feel a little bit like I've had a series that is a, a number of side dishes and there's no actual main protein carbohydrate to keep me going that I can look back on and go, oh, that was enjoyable. Laura, how about you? Sorry, you've blown my mind with the kind of because I have no idea what you guys are talking about. So we're coming straight onto that once we've done once we've done this. But um, I thought I thought it was a good wrap up to the first series. Um, I absolutely agree. If this had been, as they said, it was a standalone limited series then yeah i would not have been very happy but on the basis that we know um season two is coming um i felt like it did answer some questions um and provided new questions which i think is what i want out of a finale when i know there's another season coming and given it's been such a talky series i'm really pleased we've got a talky finale uh finale even and uh, not the usual big marvel cgi graphics fight uh, in the same way that we do usually do. So I feel satisfied, but curious as to where we go next. Ooh. Abby, what did you think? Just an enormous clash of extremes. Um, there were a couple of scenes that I, I hated on, on such a level that I was genuinely shocked. There were, there were a couple of moments that I found really genuinely awful, just really awful. Mm. And I'm still really cross about them. And I was sort of, really trying to stop myself thinking about this last night when I was trying to go to sleep and I was just you know when you're just really annoyed about something you're just lying there going I can't believe that exists um that, that's, that. <laughs> that sounds like Sunday evening after the final um, yeah I was just like I've had enough of that this week and seeing the behavior of England fans and just lying there being like I want to change things yeah I just I just want to go back and change it and and I think it's it's worse with fiction because it didn't have to be that way. Penalties are a cruel thing. England fans are <laughs> just unbearable mm -hmm. uh, in many ways, many of them. And, you know, support and protect the England footballers. <laughs> I'll start crying if I'm not careful. <laughs> you know, it's such good things. And I think if there was anything that I felt was good and warm about, as I do um, Rashford, Sancho and Saka, then I think we would be having a very different conversation tonight about Loki. Mm. Um I did have to pause at one point and play the video of Tom Hiddleston reciting maths just to try and soothe myself <laughs> and like reconnect myself with him. Um, that said, there were also things that I really enjoyed and really okay. liked. And I think my biggest problem is where you're going, I love. Love the big reveal. No problem with introducing this in episode six. Love, and I'm sure we'll talk about it much more, but but all, all of that talky stuff um, with he who remains uh, at the end. Love it very much. But that's how you chose to get there? That's what this is? 
Anyway. <laughs> so Kylie. Yes. So Kylie. God, back to Kylie. So at the beginning, um, when well, not at the beginning, because first of all we have some recaps. Then we have a little Marvel first, recap. First, you have to invent the universe. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and and then we have some some Marvel recaps, and then we have some real people. Yeah. So with it, yeah, and, and then we've got some snatches of music. And you've got you know Fair Elise and um, a couple of other things. But one of the snatches of music is I should be so lucky. Oh yes, it is. I can. How on earth did I miss that? Well, I don't know, but my wife also missed it, and her mind was blown when I rewound ten seconds and went, "Look!" <laughs> we also double checked the credits. <laughs> we predicted this. I I have never the been. The important happier. thing is, did we predict it on the last Loki one, or did we predict it on our Black Widow one that's not come out yet? Because this could be quite oh, confusing no. for people. <laughs> no, it was no, it was definitely it was, the yeah. wine. Episode. It was Loki, wasn't it? Was, it? Okay. it was Loki's. Loki oh, it was the, the wine. wine. It was yeah. wine. Yes, because that's why we're talking right. about Kylie. So okay, good. So good. now we can tick that one now. Kylie has the best wine in the Marvel universe, as far there as we, we know, <laughs> and, until we try any more of it. So I'm just really delighted that that I think we're probably the only podcast to be quite so spot on <laughs> about such a core detail of the MCU. <laughs> My work here is done, <laughs> except it's not. Uh, Abby, do we want to hit those things that you really didn't like and sure. get them done? Oh, go on then. Um. First and foremost, it's just everything, Sylvie, and the way that her character is is handled, and just the fact that that she is a a, a female character who doesn't really bear any resemblance to any concept of Loki that we have seen at, at, up to this point, just means that this whole kind of there's two Lokis I found grating throughout, but that final scene with you know Hiddleston Loki and he who remains um and then sylvie and just the way if you've ever been in a room with two men who are very keen to tell you some things and may just tell you to grow up if you start crying um and also if you've ever had someone just grab you and tell you to stop as if they are a horse whisperer when you are kind of justifiably upset about things i just i i found it really odd and that thing where i was like i know what you're feeling i don't know how i just know and i was just like i'll do one mm-hmm. <laughs> like just go away but not not just because it's kind of it's trite and it's weird and, and it plays into some really uncomfortable things just because it's nothing to do with the characters nothing to do with our loki nothing to do with anything they've shown us about selby nothing to do with the scenario yes she she is trying to kill somebody I grant you, but the the actual words, the dialogue, I just found really odd, like like a template in the wrong place. It's like the wrong template for that conversation. It just it didn't add up. And there were so many times when people, I mean, first of all, the other thing in the Loki show, it takes thirty odd minutes before Loki says anything substantive in this week's episode. It, it's not until he starts talking about, you know, what he thinks he who remains should be doing that he really offers any contribution at all. So I suppose there's kind of whether or not this is actually Loki's show and whether or not it's Hiddleston Loki's show, or whether it's a conceptual Loki show, that that's mm. fine. Mm. But um, I, I just felt the writing, the handling was very awkward. I think also I really didn't like the line, are you going to beg for your life? I just, oh, I just something about that sat very uncomfortably with me. And indeed most of her plot. 
Because if, if you do find yourself thinking, well, why don't you just grow up and get over your apocalypse life that you keep telling us is so sad? Why is that the story you want to tell? Why couldn't we have Richard E. Grant do that? And I was thinking, I kept thinking, you know, if it was Richard E. Grant in here, would they talk to that Loki in this way? Would they behave as if he was so irrational and emotional? I just, oh, I, it, it really grated on me. So, um, Mm. <laughs> okay. Bet you're glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I think it it worked for a thing that I was quite pleased they did because we always say that some of the stuff never lands. The bit where they get to the door and she has to take a moment to gather herself. I did like that. That was yeah. We keep saying like the the these people have these significant things and moments that don't necessarily uh, that are not necessarily given their due. In the show. There was a moment of uh, Loki meeting Mobius that we thought perhaps there could have been more to that. But I feel like in WandaVision we brought this up several times. Um, about things and like you need more of a reaction or more of a moment. I like they gave it that moment and it grounds it into, oh actually her story is one of growing up in trying to find this thing and running for her life all the time. And this is this is the conclusion of her story. Um I can't, there are obviously things that you've just said that I can't really speak to um, and that I don't have that experience in, but I think it did work for me in terms of this is her conclusion, this is her finale, and she wants to kill this dude. I think what what you mentioned about that, that moment outside the door, which I, which I genuinely did like and just kind of taking a moment to kind of prepare mm-hmm. and compose, and I feel like that is, it is almost like two different writers. How can you have something that feels so solid and lands so well, but is absolutely there's no follow through and there's no weight given Mm. and it all just you know at at the end of the day it just makes it look like oh sylvie did something really silly (laughs) well i i the the other side of it from what i was thinking in in watching this i can i can see why she's doing that thing but what they love is having their heroes fighting each other uh, and I've said this before, and there are times it gets in the way of the films and the stories, and, and this is one time I think it did. They wanted a big showdown between the two key Lokis, main Lokis. And they got that and did that, and I don't. that's the bit I don't feel was earned. How did you find these things, Laura? Because I have, you know, obviously, <laughs> knowing you and your expertise, I have, I have wondered if... What your thoughts are? <laughs> Uh, you talking about gender balance? Yeah, or just you know how how those kind of sequences land for you because you've been pretty on board, I think. Yeah, um, I to me they did actually map through and mm-hmm. they did they did land, but I think for different because I was looking at it slightly differently or it landed differently with me. Um, so for me, I recognise everything you're saying about the way you could interpret how. Sylvie was treated in that scene and it's interesting it hadn't really played that way to me but I completely it's completely valid you know the the Hiddles Loki telling her to you know to stop and stop and um, and just grow up and that kind of thing but for me here that was earned because I'm seeing um, too many Lokis I'm seeing (laughs) Sylvie as being less she's gone through less development than Loki has. Mm-hmm. And so I think we've got her as being a um, mirror isn't quite the right word, but a 
comparison so that we can see how much character development Hiddleston has gone through. So the idea that he has gone from grabbing the Tesseract and then immediately when he lands in Mongolia, was it? A desert. Yes, a desert. Um, (laughs) When he lands there, the first thing he does is jump up on a rock and start proclaiming and trying to find his throne. Whereas the idea for me here is that he's gone through all of these experiences, including um, the relationship with Mobius and Sylvie. And he's then got to the stage where actually his one, his feelings for Sylvie trump his desire for a throne. And two, that desire for a throne versus the fate of the universe to him that you know, he now sees that as being different. Um, sorry, that the, the fate of the universe, as he says, that this is bigger than our experiences. And so for me, what we've seen is his character development there and him moving away from this you know, immature, I, I just want the glory, I want the throne. I think then having Sylvie not as developed in that despite everything she's gone through she is still hell-bent on her dream which is her revenge because the thing is Hiddleston isn't saying to her we you know we, we ought to go along and, and go and rule the TVA he's saying just stop and think for a second and I do think it's unfortunate that you've got a guy saying that to a woman but he is the key low-key <laughs> so he is going to be the one that we want the the character development through for so I think I think it was interesting seeing those two and the I'm sure we'll talk about the kiss more later but I thought it was interesting with the kiss that she goes in for the kiss not him and then she pushes him through the door because she we haven't seen the development with her she hasn't learned from all of these experiences in the same way he has so that that's how that landed with me I think that's really interesting, and I think what you're saying is is that we've got one Loki who was changed by the journey, mm. um, and one who wasn't. Wasn't changed enough, maybe. To go presumably where he who remains had, I guess, assumed it would. I suppose I, I just think the difference between the, the having a throne goal and the revenge, you know, that that concept of revenge as well, I think is very interesting because we've seen that it was Judge Rensire who collected. Sylvie, and it mm. seemed as if she was the object of revenge, but in fact it was sort of grander. If if we are to believe he who remains, yeah, that this was always the plan. Hmm. I think the plan is another thing that we should definitely talk about yes. at some point. Um, do we want to go back to the beginning and, and try and cover some of the things that made me slightly less angry? Cause... <laughs> that, that, can we talk about that, that starting sequence then? Yes. Or as it will now be called, the Kylie sequence. The Kylie sequence. <laughs> priorities, you know. Never mind Malala, never mind Greta. No, no. Kylie. Kylie. <laughs> Does Malala have a wine and a perfume? Give it time. I mean, I... She, she, she... <laughs> <laughs> I'd be first in line. She has some books, right? She, she does. When do you that's say not Kylie? the measure we're working on. <laughs> no, that's not, no. The Marvel Library, that's another podcast. All the books <laughs> that people in the Marvel Universe have written. <laughs> or even written. That uh, Malala wrote hers. Anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, it, this really made me sit up and pay attention. When I heard the music in particular, I was like, oh, ha, 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 ha. Um, as in the music at the beginning, the um, it's been a long, long time, which is mm. from the end of Endgame. And I've just recently learned it's also in Winter Soldier, which I didn't know. Who was it? Yeah, when Cap comes back to his apartment and 
Nick Fury's in there and there's music playing loudly. Okay. It's that song. Right, interesting. Which is nice. Mm. Uh, so I thought the use of that and then the just ridiculous rush of nostalgia with all of the Marvel voices uh, and then bringing that into Only Earth, which again is a little weird, um, music and, and, uh, and voices and things. Yeah, I just... I thought, and I thought it was beautifully done on screen as well. Yeah, what did you guys think? I again, I, I also sat up and went, oh, and particularly when the Marvel started to have kind of the music and voices, because we, we've been talking about um, about our reactions to seeing the Marvel logo on the regular as part mm-hmm. of the television. So it was interesting that we'd had that conversation, which I think might be in the Black Widow podcast. Yeah. Yes. No, it might be in our next podcast. I think we were going to have a conversation about Marvel. We're going to have a conversation about that in the next one. But we definitely had a conversation about reactions to the logo, which is why I went, "Oh, hey, they've done something with the logo, Mm. and they've they've gone somewhere with it." And and I did really like that. Okay, you you have been watching this series, and actually, what it does is it does connect to the wider Marvel, and it it may well affect these things and exactly how and exactly where and then as you say coming back zoom in on earth there are plenty of unanswered questions in that and also just kind of going through space particularly when you're going to introduce the citadel which you know resides in space you know the end of time is kind of like almost amidst the northern lights as it were it's 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 seeing seeing those visuals i think um which is a bit of a relief in a sense, and a bit exciting. And again, you know, we talked a lot about things like Doctor Who, and there are plenty of episodes that do start with that kind of, ah, space and the stars and things. And, and it's nice. So it's it's kind of starting big and zooming in. Mm. Um, I'm always here for that. I, I definitely enjoyed that. And the music, again, I mean, I just, I just went through Natalie Holt's Instagram, just, like, enjoying all the little performances and things on there. And, you know, I would accept anything from this show for more music. What a What a time. Um, what a lot of really interesting musical choices in this. But anyway, Matthew, what did you think of the opening? I thought it was very nice. Um, interesting to start off with Marvel and then go to things of import from the world that we know. Um, it felt like, I think it's Contact, that has yeah. a similar sort of thing about the, the broadcast into space and, and into satellites. It had some of that aspect going on. You're right, it's all like, uh, it's weird that it's all Earth. And it very much was Earth, but I don't even think there was a sort of Thanos Guardians line in there. Maybe I missed one. There's a there's a um, Peter a Star Lord line. Peter, yeah. Okay, so so you know they are including their world at least, but it's fine. It's following Earth and, and Earth's mightiest hero, so that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was nice. Hmm. I thought I'm just thinking about it now, but the time stream's a loop, isn't it? Mm. Wasn't it that blue time stream? It looked like it was a loop. With then the rock, the kind of asteroid whatever in the center that then the castle sits upon mm, jeremy bearing me yeah <laughs> and was because then when they looked at the what, rock that the castle sits on did it kind of look like it, it looked like it was meant to be a shape of something but i wasn't really sure it looked like a duck i guess it wasn't the deliberate choice <laughs> the duck at the end of the universe but Circles it seemed a very specific mm. a very specific shape okay it, it did. I, I, and just while we're on the Citadel, I've got to say, I didn't massively love the aesthetic and the choice for it. Um, 
because you know apart from anything else i kept expecting crimson peak to kick in which is a different story <laughs> um and don't traumatize me again <laughs> like i'm not massively au fait with with the comics but i think that the citadel at the end of the time looks more like the citadel of gold and i guess that's not where we are but that also no. would be cool no i think isn't that the isn't that um chronopolis i don't know is it i think i could be wrong citadel. I don't, Notably, like I castle. didn't Google any of my comics thoughts before coming into this podcast. <laughs> I, I did enjoy the design of it because it looked a bit like um, it was all made with Kitsunagi. The the Japanese idea of when something breaks, you melt gold into the crack to yeah. reseal it and make it more beautiful than it was before. It had that vibe going on with it, but I think it was meant to be kind of gold marble. Yeah. Or mar- marble with gold seams. Kind of looked um, like slashes. Mm. Like I, I also... Claw marks. Yeah, I did think there were some sort of claw-ish looks in there. But I also had the Kitsunagi thought. And, you know, these are clearly some design experts. You know, they're Pinterest, so I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Um, You know, not to say that Pinterest is where design experts do their learning or anything. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah. Yeah. it's, It's a refreshing change from people going on Reddit. To pick up their plot stuff. You know, let's give Pinterest a chance. Um... I liked that they the first thing they met was Miss Minutes. Yes. Because it makes it very interesting. And, and it does give you the absolute tie between the two places, the TVA and the Citadel. Fine, there is a, a definite link here. It's not an abstract. Mm. We're having to buy it. Mm. She is a creepy little sucker, isn't she? <laughs> it's good. It's good. I liked it. What did, what did you think about the things she was saying and kind of offering them? Because... Like again, I was sort of thinking it it's very strange. If you if you know all these things, what what is the purpose of the offer that Miss Manette makes? Is it to just consolidate the idea that actually they don't want to just leave now? You know, is it is it kind of prep work for them coming in and going, Well, we we could have we could have won a holiday on Earth, but actually what we'd rather have is the TVA. You know, it's 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 just that kind of framing thing, I suppose. But I think it's the the idea that they they can't be tempted. So again, for me, this is because I think no matter what she'd said, Sylvie wouldn't have been wouldn't have accepted it. But I think again, this for me is a bit of the building box of showing Hiddleston's. Sorry, I think Tom. It's fine to I just know call it's not you. I know it's not you, Tom. I know you are different people. <laughs> yes, but it's just easier. So um, I think seeing kind of the building blocks of, of showing Hiddleston's um, progression and the fact that because that is all he ever wanted. And he's now being offered this on a plate. And it's funny, actually, the bit where he does kind of seem to consider it is when it's suggested that they can both be on the timeline together. Hmm. Which I felt was a lot more of that half-assed romantic language. Either you do or you don't. Pick an angle. I I also think it is very much delivering the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory thing. That the point is they are being tested. If he is going to give them the keys to the castle the keys to the chocolate factory they need to pass the test and if they were going to accept it i don't believe he would have actually done those things um but if they're going to accept it then they're not worthy of having it and it's the next pair of loki's who come through that he needs to do it for yeah but so what's his plan then though because as he says he fibbed he doesn't know everything that's going to happen and it seems that that threshold that comes was going to come anyway at that Mm -hmm. point so if the Loki gang had said, yes, we want this idealised stuff on the timeline. Whether mm-hmm. he gave it to them or turned them away, then the only option was Kang coming through 
because at the threshold, the, the timeline starts splitting. We're only seeing the end of this loop and this cycle. In in a world of Jeremy Bereme and time being infinite and, and mm. this him knowing everything and having lived for that long, other Lokis, other people, whatever, have done this and have been tempted by those offers and taken them. This is the time when finally someone doesn't take it that we get to see. So you think the fact that they didn't take it triggers the threshold? I, I don't think it triggers because I don't I don't think anything here except for the threshold is not set. Yeah. Everything that they were going to do is done, but we're seeing the bit at the end of it. We're not seeing the whole sequence where other people have done this, other people have got managed to get there and, and have been tempted and taken it. And he knows that he makes this offer and people don't and, and eventually someone will not take it, and that's when he can make the offer, and when he makes the offer, he presents them with a choice that he cannot have lived through. Because if he can live through that choice, she can't have killed him. So she makes yeah. a different choice. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. Or or she's freed him from this management of time job that he seems to have, which I don't know exactly quite mm-hmm. what that power is. Um, but that but she, it makes sense that he wouldn't know. He then wouldn't way, know because he doesn't have the control over time. Yeah. That's, so, yeah. Either yeah. way, that's the end of his yeah. story at the end of time. It's the end of his. So The, it, the problem way, here is choice. Yeah, but it wasn't really choice, was it, if he knew what they were going to do? Which is the argument that's put forward up until the threshold. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Cool. It was just when you said the problem here is choice, and I thought, but I have a tarot moment for you. Um, oh, cool. From this episode, uh, which I, I hope that you will love. So, a few times, um, s- sort of beginning with um, when they when they come into the castle, um the Lokis have their swords drawn, mm-hmm. one each. And the tarot card, the two of swords, is a blindfolded woman with two swords crossed just above the hilt in front of her. Yeah. And at the point during the fighting, this happens in front of Sylvie. The swords are crossed at the hilt in front of her face. Um, the blindfolded woman uh, symbolises indecision uh, when faced with a great choice. And, oh, I like that. Um, I can, I can see that being... Mm. And and it just it's it's such a nice motif that the kind of it's it's a really interesting card. It's a really yeah interesting motif. We've talked about kind of Loki getting a sword, mm-hmm. um, and I just I I was quite surprised because we thought of it when they were standing there with the swords drawn, and then when they actually kind of framed her in this mm-hmm. way, we're like oh, mm, cool. interesting, cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah, there we go. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. So what I was referencing was the other thing that this is taking a lot from. The problem here is choice is the key moment in the middle of the Matrix trilogy where Morpheus meets the architect and they have their little bit of dialogue that explains the whole sequence of things, which this episode is kind of doing that. And again, in a little bit of the same, there's some big stuff and exposition we need to get through where the Matrix revels in making it a little indecipherable. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, you've really got to hang on for the ride. This, I think, worked very hard to make sure we all got it and were there with them. Yeah. And and could deal with whatever the outcome was going to be, which which I appreciate. You know, for a TV show that's going to have as many eyes on it as this, good work on them to, to make, you know, high sci-fi concepts accessible. And I, I think there is an extent to which you can, slightly what I was referring to when I was saying, you know, this is what you chose to do with the Loki show. Really, everything with Loki is just really nailing the concept of the variant so that when we get he who remains or are we just calling him kang now he who um, remains. yeah when, when, well <laughs> from this episode um 
But yeah, when when you get his storytelling, which, by the way, I will always love people explaining, telling stories, particularly physical <laughs> items. That is my catnip. That was a beautiful sequence. Um, we absolutely understand that that variant idea is so clear to us that he can talk about the content, about about the wars and about the different kinds of iterations of and variants of himself. And we absolutely know what he means. That's really yeah. sorted out. So if nothing else, that's pretty good. Yeah, they've done a really good job of educating us on mm. on that. And that's what I do wonder, if you're someone who decided not to go for Disney+, Plus, but you watch the films, <laughs> I think it's going to be a little bit bamboozling. I think we've talked about this in a couple of places, and I know I have on, on other podcasts, th- mm. this thing of, you know, whether you do watch everything, whether you keep up with the stories and so on. I think we're now at the stage where most people do. Whether they actually keep up or whether they're reading wikipedia or just picking up from the stuff mm. on twitter or they don't care and they just want yeah. an interesting film to keep them entertained and so on so i think i think i suspect that our concern or or the discussion of you have to keep up with it and you have to watch everything mm. to get everything i don't i don't think marvel and disney are actually looking at it in that way they're making something that keeps us entertained which this might be um and like i say it's got some of the very modern television tropes of I mean, it's going to have a huge number of people watching it anyway. Why do we need to give you an actual conclusion? Why can't we just set up the series next year and keep you excited for that and keep you paying for our platform to keep you into that? Like, so I can see their point. point, you know. I, I, I was just going to say, on on which note, because I am very interested in your mm-hmm. thoughts about modern television, like, you didn't feel that that was a, a conclusion? I don't think any story in this televisual show got wrapped up got that i got to a point of like oh that was interesting and i'm now interested in this other thing that happens loki's story still ongoing sylvie we don't know what's happened to her we don't know what's happened to the time stream whatever it's called we don't know what's happened to ravonna we don't know our morpheus we don't know this morpheus we don't know where alligator loki is and that's something they should have delivered (laughs) I thought we'd get post-credits Alligator Loki. Mm. I, yeah, I was mm. a bit surprised we didn't get something like that. Uh, but we did find out, which has been the big thing the last few episodes have been building towards, well, we found, we had two things. There was He Who Remains. Mm-hmm. We found out who was behind the Timekeepers, and we got the whole story mm-hmm. of that. Or at least what we've been told is the story of that. <laughs> you just don't know what to believe at this stage. Um, and we got... A not necessarily a conclusion, but we got a step forward on the love story, if we're going to call it that. Did we though? I think so. Yes, because okay, let's let's talk about the kiss. I am torn on the kiss because who doesn't want to see Tom Hiddleston kiss? I mean, I'm I'm fine with that. Okay. And I really liked the. All I know is I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to throw in. I just want you to be okay and completely believe that from him. And I do think they could have built in time. They could have built something out of that if that, you know, they still allowed that to continue on. But the kiss for me felt like, um, and I'm probably going to upset some people with this and I don't mean to, but the Kylo Ren and the Ray kiss at the end of, um, mm-hmm. The Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. which I will, I will be honest, I didn't feel particularly strongly either way on that. But if I had to come down on one side, I'd say I don't, I don't think it was quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a little head 
four head touches would have been you know enough and but the reason i did like it is to me it did answer some of the questions for me and that we've been a bit confused as to where is this going um and also sylvie not seeming to be as into it as hiddleston and yet then when she goes in for the kiss and then pushes and then betrays him pushes him through the door to me again that i'm going to keep saying it but it ties back into the the character development that for him he's found somebody that he cares for and that's because of his development about his his uh inferiority and his desperation for the throne and to prove himself because he's worked through some of that stuff mm. she is more important than than the throne whereas for her it does seem she has some feelings towards him in that realm but it's still not enough i think there's a really long list of things i don't like about the kiss <laughs> it turned out actually when when it happened it, it in itself was so not that much of a kiss for yep. me that i just it felt like all the rest of the language kind of annoying so there's there's one extent to which it's a placeholder for skillful dialogue and and anything meaningful there's another extent to which it's her this is me being generous i think (laughs) from my perspective her trying to give him what she thinks he would like to Mm. show that like she's just like yeah thanks thanks ever so much but i do have stuff to do and then part (laughs) of me is just like look we've mostly by this point seen buffy we know what it looks like when you kiss someone goodbye and throw them through a portal. Spoilers for, yes. you know, Buffy. And actual heartbreaking, incredible delivery of such a weighty scene that it's really weird when you see this kind of light version, <laughs> which it just felt very similar um, without I, any of the feeling. <laughs> but I think that's the thing. She doesn't have sufficient feeling mm. for him. Yeah. Um, it's just a weird motif, I think. <laughs> But I, And I, as you say, it, it actually wasn't a big thing. And I'm really mm. pleased it wasn't. Because, you know, there was the talk from Mobius. I don't know which episode. But uh, when he was saying, you know, this connection between them, mm. this could be what burns down the TVA. I was thinking we were potentially going to end up with them going in for the kiss. And that somehow triggers the meltdown of the TVA. Mm. Which I was not looking forward to that. Um, whereas this, it's just part of the interaction between the two of them. I think that's a lot better than this idea that it's this magical true love's kiss that will then it's somehow certainly better change than that. the universe. Hmm. I did like the idea of the star... Sorry, Matthew, I'm going to stop. Paul, <laughs> <laughs> I think he was going to take a breath and keep talking. Um, I do. I did really like the idea of um, doing this kind of as a star-crossed lovers way with the you can't trust and I can't be trusted. Mm. Oh. I liked that a lot. Mm. I, I, I like that as well. I think my big issue with the kiss is there was no romance to it, no passion to it. It was it felt like they were pressing their faces together. Um yeah. with their with their, their intake orifices. That's like <laughs> you know. But exactly it, it was exactly that dispassionate. That yeah. yeah. Um It was a I very think clinical kiss. I, I also feel like it's the way it was done, it's very easy to do she was doing that to distract him. Uh, and yeah, Abby, I think also the same, she thinks he wants this, so it is an easy distraction, but it's it's a way of her winning the fight. Yeah, I do I do think there's some fondness behind it for her. Yeah. I do and like that's... that you think that. <laughs> I don't feel it's in the text, but I, I'm happy to be wrong. 
And alongside that, then I really like Abby's interpretation of that. This was, this is what he needs. This is what he wants, and this will then distract him. So I think we're all right. Okay. She's trying it on, <laughs> but it's. I, I wonder if there's something in there where I mean, because she is holding the thing, you know, tempad. Yeah, maybe if it had all been sparks and fireworks. Maybe it was the um, Back to the Future. It just feels like I'm kissing my brother. Maybe it was like maybe. that. Mm-hmm. And um, and maybe she was just like, well, try it. Off you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite the verdict. On Which would be funnier, kissing. wouldn't it? Well, you know, it's it's always important to remember that ostensibly they are apparently the same person and therefore it is. As he says, which is just the thing you want to your first out bisexual character in a universe, as he who remains says when, when he greets them, unnatural. <laughs> it's just, just what you want. <laughs> anyway, so let's go back to the TVA and not when Hiddleston does before. Mm. Someone tell me what happens in the TVA in this episode with with Judge Renslayer. What does Miss Minutes give her? What is the flashback? When does that happen? Someone tell me what happened there, please. So Miss Minutes rocks up with files that he who remains thinks Renslayer will need. Peg said it was, uh, I should be so lucky. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I said, well, at the moment, I see nothing better. (laughs) It's his Get Pumped playlist. Um, For, for driving along the road. I don't know. Um, so we, she looks I, at them and know. doesn't seem to get anywhere. Yeah, we don't know. So, again, maybe that'll come to something. Um, she... Uh, Mobius and Hunter B20 have shown the other hunters, at least another hunter, if not the other hunters, that she is a variant, and they are all variants, um, because there was the clue in the pen. Whether she knows she's a variant is a thing I'm not sure about. So is that what was happening in, in that in the flashback? The school to, to Freeman on higher, yes. Yeah, so that was Prime Ravona, or whatever she's called, mm-hmm. uh, who was a school teacher. And so that was Hunter B15 showing the other Hunter that Renslayer isn't for real, she's a variant as well. And clearly that Hunter is a serious gossip because suddenly the rest of the TVA also know that. Yeah. <laughs> did they just do get help and keep taking different hunters in there <laughs> or maybe he runs like the TVA radio station and just hmm. you know, in between dedications Every, everyone it. subscribed to his newsletter yeah um, <laughs> yeah his sub stack <laughs> yes. okay so, so that was when he says that's not going to work out like you think it will that's because he's got Hunter to kind of expose to everyone what yep. the TVA actually is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fine. When Ravonna says, if anyone was going to make it out of the void, it makes sense that it would be you. Mm-hmm. Why does that make sense? What What do we know about Mobius that, that makes that make sense? And, and what, since 2018, have they been cultivating? <laughs> well, it's probably longer than that, isn't it? Centuries. Yes. Because they're outside of time. It doesn't really matter when they lifted mm. them. Um, and I suppose he's relentless, or she, there, there have been comments in the episodes about how he's the best, or he's a favorite, yeah. favorite, and so on. So you know, he's you know, Owen Wilson exceptionalism. I, I think yeah. this is another one of those like this is 
I realise a problem that I'm having in this show is that people keep telling me that they have relationships and feelings, but not displaying them or contextualising them at all. So it becomes quite weird. Hmm. We have had a cup, at least a couple of conversations between the two of them talking about their friendship mm-hmm. and that it is this, and then that he then refers to and sort of plays back her own, I think it was her own words to her, mm. friendship across the eons or something like that. Oh no, I'm, I've become one of those people that wants to be shown and not told, and I promise that's not who I am. I'm the person who <laughs> likes to be told and not shown. But how could they show us that within the scale of the show? I suppose just chemistry, really. I don't know. Because Hiddleston and Owen Wilson, mm-hmm. I believe, have this fast, firm yeah. mm-hmm. connection. But we've seen more, we've had some more screen time with the two of them together versus Mobius. Not more than him and Sylvie, though. Chemistry's hard and and Mm. clearly doesn't necessarily always come off, as as we know from films and stories across the years. But we have seen them having a drink together. She makes Mm. a comment about, you know, only one drink tonight. They are used to spending this time together. Mm. Um, She keeps mementos that he brings her. I think think we have had moments giving us this, whether it's come off or not. I think they had chemistry towards the beginning, like when, I think the first episode, when she's on the bench, it goes up. Yeah, maybe that's why I'm feeling disjointed. I don't know, maybe misled or something. I don't know. It's not that I would like everybody to be, you know, far from would I like everyone to be in a romantic relationship. I, I suppose I just almost want to kind of feel a bit clearer on things. Sorry. No, just, just to be clear. For me, that wasn't ever a romantic relationship. It's no. a friendship. I think it's maybe just that I thought that there was going to be, perhaps I thought there was going to be more to Owen Wilson's storyline or something. I don't know. I just, I've, I think I just feel really unfinished. There wasn't a lot of Mobius in this one. It was still more than I thought there was going to be. <laughs> well, but particularly as there wasn't a lot of Mobius in the last one. Mm. But he's going to, it looks like he's going to be somewhere going forward. Mm. And mm. and he is own Wilson. He does have he like actual films coming out and stuff. So, mm. um. yeah, I, I don't know. It felt like given the amount of time we'd had with him, I don't know what I wanted. I I don't know what I'm. I don't even know if I'm complaining. I just <laughs> okay. I just got to the end. And I was just like, uh, uh. and to be clear, the actual end I thought was wonderful. Oh, and I was just like, mm. okay, you're clearly like an archiver or whatever. Analyst. Analyst. Yeah. analyst, you're clearly an analyst. What's your name? And I just, oh, that that was that was the best. Sequence. Very nicely done. And and then Love. the fact that it puts in context that they've been saying stuff that doesn't quite fit that we'd expect. This whole thing of what are we supposed to do? I think he just wants us to let it happen. Like, yeah. mm. this is a different time, and this had different things coming off. I I dig it. Brilliant. It's cool. It's an interesting setup. And and if that was the conclusion, we knew. Some other stories had wrapped up. I'd be, I, I think, I'd be a bit more okay. And and some of it does come back from. I've watched a couple of other series that have had this, particularly the Nevers. That's the one that's standing out to me. But just a few recently that have had a kind of. And at the end of the series, it's nothing. It's just there's supposed to be another episode, and we now need to wait six to twelve months to get that thing. Anyway, but there there are other things. Whereas mm. compare it to, if I'm trying to think of other, other similar things, I shouldn't compare Loki to Ted Lasso. But t- Ted Lasso <laughs> clearly has a long-term story that it can tell and interesting things. But it also managed to have a story about that season and that thing that was like, okay, that's that, and then we're going to go into the next 
season. It is helped by the logistics so. of football season. It, it, it is, but you know what I mean. Like there, there were, I'm sure there it's was a way of with infinite time telling some <laughs> story in here. Show us Sylvie in a moment of catharsis from having killed he who remains. Or well, they did. That was the opposite. Well, that's interesting. Her crying at the end. Yeah. Is that is that catharsis? Is that a bit like? Do you remember in Infinity War when Gamora thinks she's killed Thanos and then mm-hmm. she starts crying, mm-hmm. and he says, "Oh," and then when it realizes, it turns out, no, he hasn't died, and he says, "Oh, tears for me, little one," and I'm like, "No, she's not crying for you. She's crying for the relief and the just mm. the the overwhelming of having killed her abuser." And so I wanted to do that, or is actually it's it's the emptiness of this mm-hmm. is what I've been striving for all this time, and no, I, I don't now have any big realization or, or feeling from having killed this guy it's just you know this was my purpose it's done now and hmm. now what uh, and she's now alone and mm. maybe made the wrong decision and perhaps the right decision was to do the thing and she now realizes that she's done her instinct and it wasn't right abby you said about you know that she's a different loki and has this different thing or, or hasn't necessarily had some of that character growth maybe it's that moment but we're left with a moment at the end where we don't know I, I felt so strongly that I could see the beginning of the next episode be her sitting on the floor and then another he who remains walking straight in and it's just a different one. Mm. And maybe she kills him and then another one comes in. And, and if that is the beginning of the next series, <laughs> someone needs to pay my brain because it did that for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really interesting where this is going to go now because they've not, I'm pretty certain they haven't started filming season two. I so thought they talking... had. No, it'd been green lit. But sure I don't think they've started. Because someone was saying it's weird that they've started before they've even shown. No, I don't. I could be wrong. Maybe From it was stuff scouting. I was reading, I don't think it has. Because mm. I wanted to see if there was a release date and risen. The second season is scheduled to be in filming in January 2022. Also under the working title Architect. So we're not going to see it till 2023, I'm guessing. At least, um, at least mid next year. We're at least 12 months off. Gosh, Marvel yeah. does really yeah. mess with your sense of time as well, doesn't it? So they can't leave that bigger gap between the two when we've still got um, Doctor Strange 2 and Ant-Man Quantumania, which is where Kang is supposedly introduced. So that's uh, Quantumania is February 2023. Mm-hmm. So unless they whack it out in January. Unless it's a precursor to Ant-Man. Yeah, or like so a leader. They, yeah, they, they get it out in January and then have Ant Man at the end of February. Maybe? Well, they're filming in January. I mean, January twenty twenty three. Okay, sorry. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because um, Ant Man isn't February until February twenty twenty. I had that list up. Where was it? Yeah, Ant Man's mm. February twenty twenty three. Doctor Strange is March twenty twenty two. Yeah. So I, whatever they're gonna do with with Doctor Strange, it is it is also entirely possible. This is just gonna be this weird branch of the MCU having stories off over here and our main sacred timeline is doing stuff over here. Dear listener, I'm gesticulating in two different directions. Um, and that this is just the weird branch and it's going to get cleared up and then go back to the beginning and it's its, its own separate thing. Who knows? I, I don't think they've given yeah. us anything to go on for that. Um, so you said we've got Shang-Chi and the Eternals mm-hmm. next, which are clearly, I, I say clearly, I assume they're very much in their own spaces. Mm-hmm. I imagine so. Do we know what causes the Eternals to be ac- activated? No. Don't, well, I don't know anything about it because I'm not watching any 
anything. I'm just wondering if it could be the multiverse. Ooh. Could be. Could be. The new multiverse. Mess. And and so this is my other big annoyance with the whole blooming thing. Mm. And I've had this annoyance with Marvel before and Sony before, to be fair. We knew season two was coming. Not everyone knew season two was coming because not everyone reads stuff like I do. But that post-credits thing telling us that season two is coming is a bit like, well, yeah, you can't leave, like, yeah, you can't leave the series like that and say, and here's our complete package. Ta-da! Um, but at the same time, they've announced other films that we keep speculating on what's coming to them. The fact that it's called Multiverse of Madness, the fact that Spider-Man has Spider-Men's in it. All, all, you know, we're speculating on what other things happen. And it's like the fact that after Infinity War, there were trailers for a new Spider-Man film with Spider-Man rocking around the world doing exciting things. Um, and so I wish they didn't announce all their stuff. And they have even said in the past they're like learning from this as they go. But it feels like the same mistake that's happened before and it's a little annoying. Uh, so it's annoying. Are you saying it's annoying that they've announced Loki 2? It's annoying that we knew about Multiverse Magic. It, it's oh, it's yeah, not just yeah. Doctor Strange 2. There's another Doctor Strange film coming and yep. you're going to find out more about the plot. But the fact that, that something to do with the plot is obviously in that title. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think absolutely they could have announced Doctor Strange 2. They don't. They did not, and, and therefore fulfil the need to tell their investors what's coming. Their investors don't need to know that it's multiverse of madness at all. No. Absolutely, they could announce that much closer to the time, or even just after this. Hmm. But is is the conversation what keeps Marvel going? What makes people watch Loki, even if they didn't think they wanted an, an MCU TV series? Isn't it the very idea that you'll be missing something if you don't? The point. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, and I suspect we're going to learn that you won't. It will. It will help cue you in, if not. I think, but we'll mm. see. Because I was surprised in one division they didn't give us a thing of like what the blip and the snap were and so on. Mm. So maybe we've not really talked about he who remains. Yeah. The 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 big reveal of this, the person behind the TVA and his very long. Not necessarily unduly long, because I did talk about that episode three, I think, how it was kind of like a podcast in a television show. <laughs> this was kind of the same when I sort of dug it. Let's interview the man at the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I said at the, at the beginning, it was a talky finale. Mm. And I think it suits the show. Mm -hmm. and yeah. it's, it's nice to have that instead of a, a big CGI mashup. Mm. Of all the things I didn't mind... <laughs> about this i i thought it was a, a finale level reveal i thought it was of finale scale of interest i thought what well, i mean what a performance They're just you know that's the kind of performance where you go well either they wrote this for you or you came in and everyone just went well <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just just magnificent and just such a oh, uh, such a relief to see so much content and charisma and content in his story as well and just such a variety of delivery um and experience and i love that he was a scientist i mean what better than a scientist starting a multiversal war <laughs> i mean majestic fascinating and you could really imagine him invariant mm. um and, and the different pursuits and interests and backgrounds and and the idea of a war with versions of yourself again you know it really elevated the variant mm. 
concept and, mm. and suggestion that we've had with with the Loki's. I'm excited to know what his alligator form may be. <laughs> Dormouse Kang, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, what do you think? Laura, I'm waiting for you to... Oh, Laura uh, gestured uh, at you. Okay. <laughs> and, and that one, not any of us, just to be clear. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was exceptionally good. Again, it's got some of that vibe of Spider-Man and T'Challa from Civil War. Like, okay, these are big people we want to introduce well. Um, so I think they've given him some very good writing and worked on that performance to make it land properly for us. We've talked about shades of Doctor Who in elements of this series, and he is very much like a... This is someone who's been alive a very long time and has been through a lot and is a little bit scatty with it. Because John's he, a master performance. Yeah, yeah exactly. Think, yeah, thinking master. It, 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 he doesn't care about your reactions and opinions. He's just he's here to... He's on the table yeah. as he pleases. Exactly. So has been so, in this room a long time. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed all that. I thought it was good. Some of the... You know, I, I credited them with doing well to sort of deliver on the sci-fi stuff. Some of it was, here are the papers about what's about to happen to prove that I know everything that's about to happen. Well, surely they can go like... Well, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say something. also, <laughs> why wouldn't you, A, skip to the end, and B, not say it's a parlor trick when this happened in the first episode, Tom? Mm. <laughs> like, we, mm. we have the context in show. So, yeah. I, I thought that was... Uh, there were a couple of things there that were, I think, done for the humour, for the delivery, more than, more than actually supporting the writing, but fine. Um... And I'm looking forward to, I think he is an actor of, I've not seen him in much, but from what I understand, he is very good at doing range. Mm. And you can see that they will have him rocking up in, in Ant-Man. And it might not be a multiverse sort of version of him in Ant-Man or something. It might just be a, an evil version of him who also invented an Ant-Man suit and is now coming back in time through the quantum mania. Mm. I guess it's, it's a great place for a scientist storyline. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Having now watched Ant Man two, uh, yeah. which I did yesterday. Oh yes, um, science. Oh, science. That's a, that was a really fun film, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. fun. Mm. I need. I needed that fun. <laughs> um, there was a very good review of uh, certainly the first Ant Man film. I think the second one fits it. That it's kind of like sorbet in the MCU. Yeah. Just a nice palate cleanser, moving you from one to the yeah. other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I saved it for when I did. What did you think, Laura? Uh, I thought it was lots of fun. Um, Paul Rudd's amazing in the role. I have some thoughts about Hope, given this was they made such a big deal at the end of the first Ant Man with her seeing her wasp. Oh, you're talking about Ant Man too? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that not what you asked me about, Abby? I asked what you thought of him, meaning Kang, but also. Oh, Ant-Man, sorry, I thought I you also think of it. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then, because you said Paul Rudd, I'm like, oh, she's got Ant Man on the brain. I'll point out to her that she's, she just said Paul Rudd is playing Kang. There's a couple of differences between I the actors. Talking, I thought you were talking about. Um, I thought you asked Although, me what you think of it. As just, in, like, just while film. we're on that, the bit where Paul Rudd plays Michelle Pfeiffer. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. one of my favourite things in the world. <laughs> so just to finish on my Ant Man and the Wasp. Please do. <laughs> Which no one asked for, but no, I'm going well, to No, well, I would have if I thought you would. <laughs> <laughs> is um is at the end of um, Ant Man the first film? There's this whole thing that's the wasp co- costume, and um, and Hope leans against the doorway and says, "About damn time that there's going to be a female superhero." And so then this was the first mm-hmm. film with a title lead uh, female. I think was this was before mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, wasn't it? And there was this big thing made of it, and um, 
And when you actually look at Hope in this, the action's fantastic. She's great when she's the Wasp. We know next to nothing about her. Yeah, we know everything about about Ant Man. Um, what's it called? Scott. Scott. Yeah, his family, all this kind of stuff. We never see anything about her other than her father, and then at the very end, her mother. And I just think, given this, there was such a there isn't a lot of character there for her. But anyway, interesting. I uh, yeah, it was Having fun. I only just watched it last night. I did. I did yeah. feel quite differently, and I was just like, oh, I really like that. It's so matter oh, of no, fact absolutely. about them both. And I, I really did enjoy that, and I particularly like kind of when she was in the restaurant, displaying her sort of variety of skills and and things, and mm. also, yeah, I guess it seemed like her life had been very based on her dad. <laughs> But then also, I don't remember Ant Man one particularly, so I guess I assumed more work was done there than perhaps it was. Oh, no, even less. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Going back to the question you Thanks actually for asked, an, an interlude which I genuinely enjoyed. <laughs> Side quest. I really liked it, and I when we spoke last about who's going to be in the castle, there was this: is it going to be a Loki variant or is it going to be Kang? And I was kind of relaxed on whichever it was. If it was Kang, I think as we talked about, it's a bit kind of like, oh, you're kind of dropping him in at the last minute. But we didn't get Kang. We got variant Kang. And I thought that was mm. such a neat way of doing it because, mm. no, we still haven't met the warmonger. Uh, warmonger. That's better. Warmonger. <laughs> mm. And yet we've had this amazing performance and we've been introduced to the actor. Mm-hmm. And we now have all of this hanging over us about Kang and, and what he's going to be like. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was, it was just a really neat solution. Um, I thought the performance was fantastic. I loved the comparison is the right word, but the interaction between Jonathan Major's lightness and playfulness of his performance against how serious the other two were mm-hmm. and serious and suspicious and where he was this... Yeah, as you say, this this idea that he's been there for so bloody long that he's just like, I really don't care anymore. Happens. Yes. Um, and that we got we got Kang's backstory again mm-hmm. before we've met him, and I'm, it really reminded me of um, the beginning of Black Panther, where there's the sand or whatever it is that's mm. shaping the the story to illustrate the story. Mm. And uh, I thought I thought they were it was quite straightforward them explaining it, but it was interesting history. I thought it was a bit strange when he dies. And he laughs and says, see you soon. Because everything he's done has been in order to stop Kang turning up. Evil Kang turning up. Or probably more evil Kang is probably a better way of putting it. And so I don't know, I would have thought he would have a bit more of a a less playful at that stage response. Well, it was just being a bit of an ass, really. Yeah, I think yeah. I think he genuinely doesn't care. He's been doing it so long. He's done yeah. he's done he's played his part spent his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. I, I like what you said there about um, it's a really intru- interesting introduction to a character we're technically not meeting yet. Mm. Um, we're going to meet another version of it. Because what a really nice way to go where we had Thanos showing up in film after film and getting referenced and the Infinity Stones showing up in film after film where now it might be Kang showing up in film after film but a different Kang each time. And you get this actor coming back and people might recognise him, they might not recognise him. They, you know, he's going to be a different version of himself. They have to work that out. Should we have out. been looking for the Kangs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, who's Kang now? Mm. Is it Rocket? I bet it's Rocket. <laughs> but I would, I would quite enjoy that if it, if this is the way they're going to do it. It's not going to be one 
specific thing. It's when he rocks up and, and starts a war somehow. And that's when you have to stave him off. But sometimes he's got an army and sometimes he's got science and sometimes he's got ants. Something like that. <laughs> right. And I think it's really going to then push into like real relief the difference between this more playful mm-hmm. lesser evil Kang. And then I think that, that will then amplify when we get the Conqueror version because we'll be comparing the two in our minds. Yeah, it'd be cool. So, because it's, you know, it is difficult to think after Thanos, what could be the next really big bad that we take mm. seriously as the big bad. Mm. And I think this is, this is a good way of doing it. And I like this, you know, this thing that it it's not, if you think so much of sci-fi and fantasy things is black and white, good and evil. You know, Star Wars was very good and evil. Um, and here it's, it's actually not, it's not that the TV is evil, it's that it's potentially, because we don't know, but potentially the lesser of two evils, hmm. which I, I like that sort of grey area. You know, the well-intentioned dictator, is that better than the... One the, might say um, hmm. better the devil you know. Maybe. And they miss that musical cue, obviously. <laughs> he almost says it at one point. Are you saying he's Mephisto? Is that basically what you're... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he he does. Mm. Any more Kylie we can get in. <laughs> <laughs> You're just Googling Kylie song titles. <laughs> <laughs> Confide in me, Laura. <laughs> no, oh, we need... Sorry, go blank. You, you, we, yeah, we need to get back on track, so I'm spinning us around. Uh, um, into other good stuff from it that I quite liked. It's talking about his death and her, you know, culmination of, of the bit of the story there. I like that she just stabs him. And that it's not, there's no music cue to support it. There's no thunder rolls in the background. There's no flash of light or anything. He's just a man and she just stabs him and it's a bit meaty. And then it's over and it's done. And it, it, that's not something the MCU does. When someone wins and has the kickiest kick type moment, it is a, you know, a thing happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, this was just her ending her mission was stabbing a guy. And yet it's going to cause a multiverse of madness, potentially, for instance. Mm. Nice. Yeah. And I, I think that's just why I assume that we must kind of come in on that scene again, um, because it's just, it's so unfinished. Mm. Um, yeah. It's kind of an anticlimax for Sylvie, I think. I think that's what we're seeing there. And there will be, and assuming we see her again, which I do assume, um, I think there will be the, well, what next? Mm. I think one thing that I really hope we don't see is a backslide with Loki's character development because mm. here where he's been built up uh, and where, where we leave him, he's alone again. But now he's had this character development and the self-awareness that he really doesn't want to be alone. Mm. And yet, you know, Sylvie's gone, Mobius is gone, all of the other Lokis have gone um, and he's on his own. And I did find when Tom was sat down and that was really hitting him, that was quite heartbreaking. But so I hope we now don't see him backslide and, you know, bitterness and, you know, I, I gave me my heart. and <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I, I have seen a complaint about how this is 
maybe a few days, maybe a few weeks after the Battle of New York. And he does seem to have had a lot of character development. Um, without having necessarily gone through those moments of character development, he just watched them on a big holo projector. Mm. I, I think we're just meant to accept it. Yeah, I think, again, this is maybe what I'm talking about, is that we're just sort of meant to accept a lot of things. And, mm. and we're seeing a Loki who is supposed to just by virtue of seeing essentially a film um, that, you know, I think at that early point could or could not be true, just accepts and, and grows as if he had been through it himself, which, yeah, it's, it's all a bit odd. Again, it's, it's just like kind of, I'm struggling to see the Lokiness of Lokis now, because now we've been told that all they do is survive, and that seems a bit dull for the God of Mischief, and you know, <laughs> some all, all of these kind of characteristics that we've seen of Loki, and it's not that I, I, I do want him to move on from Throne, hmm. but you know, when I think of what we were talking about in the first episode about, you know, perhaps he would, I don't know, do something in, in order for his mother to survive, or in order for, you know, all the Asgardians to survive. Um, I just, I mean, I suppose we, we do get to a point where he's offered the the opportunity to kind of save the multiverse um, or whatever, or, or not cause an enormous war. But I, th- I just, I really think shifting focus from all these things that we have established mm-hmm. as being about Loki, you know, and, and seeing him kind of have grown to see himself as as someone who is prepared to stand up to Thanos um, and to see him care about his family. I, I think to have him kind of reduced to the singular pinpoint of Sylvie I find very frustrating, development-wise. I think the, the idea that what makes Loki's Loki's is that they survive doesn't mean that's all that Tom Hiddleston Loki is. That's what they have in common across them. And as far as the character development, yeah, he watched a film, but he watched a film where his mother died and it was his fault. Uh, he watched a film where his brother died. His brother, I don't, he doesn't see him die, obviously, but he sees him in, in serious trouble with mm. Thanos. He sees himself die. Um, I can't remember if it's after this or before this where it's established that how powerful the TVA are. So that I think mm. that, for me, then backs up the idea that this is, you know, this is the case. This is true. But so there's that development. There's also then, as I said, I think part of this is because where you don't buy the relationship with Sylvie, so the impact of that. But Mobius and his relationship with Mobius, for me, his relationship with Sylvie, him then seeing all of these Lokis, and particularly in last episode, where he there's the big fight of all of the Lokis mm. and him just being like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. Mm. And when they won't help, when... Um, Kid Loki, Classic Loki, and um, Alligator Loki, and that won't help him. And he goes the, actually before all of the other Lokis descend when he's climbing out, and um, and he says under his breath, "Monsters." <laughs> and so I think there is, there are quite a few things in there to get him to where he is. I think there's a lot more in this than there was in the films to show the the character development that got him to what then happens with Thanos. Okay. I suppose it's with the films I'm taking for granted that there's quite a lot of time. Whereas 
it, it feels like you've seen the totality of things that happen. Hmm. And and I guess this is also the nature of it of it being a, a television series as well. Is you know it's, it's been on quite a long time for us, but it's only been five days for Loki. So hmm. you have this kind of dude, you've changed very fast, and I've been watching it so slowly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I've read so much in in the time in between as well. Because in the films. If you think that there's Ragnarok, isn't there? Mm-hmm. And on Sakaar, he's still quite happy for Thor to get bashed about and, and to be just a gladiator. And it's only from the end of Ragnarok, when he goes back with Korg on the spaceship, mm-hmm. it's only there. And they have the battle, they leave on the spaceship, and then they hit Thanos. So that isn't, it's only the end of Ragnarok, really, that we see that that development yes yeah, it's the, it's the uh, we've talked about this before but the conversation he has with thor in the lift mm. and then the fact he tries to betray thor and thor outsmarts him because he knows yeah. it's coming he's getting predictable as he says yeah so mm. say second half of of ragnarok mm. Mm. i also quite like talking about some of the other films and mm. particularly this being the loki from the avengers a lot of, certainly the middle section that He Who Remains was talking about, about the issue of free will, and no one actually gets free will, and it's actually not a good thing by comparison and so on. That's basically Loki's speech in Germany. Is this mm. is this not better? Is this not your natural state? Mm. Um, and the, I can't remember if he actually says free will, but you all seek power, and actually it's that that makes your lives smaller. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he talks about freedom. Exactly. I, I can't decide whether we're supposed to make that link or if it's just they're doing a beat that, you know, they did in Avengers nine years ago. If we were supposed to, it would have been a, it would have been cool mm. to. Well, Ravonna says to Mobius, the only person who gets free will is the one in charge. Mm. Which I think is that is spelling that out, whether that was all deliberate or not, I don't know, but... Because I, I, you know, I liked that whole thing and the discussion of it, and this is this is what you do when you have to start dealing with time travel and everything is set and you can go back and forward in time, um, and the decisions don't make any difference. They're doing a thing where decisions do make difference, so that's good. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's interesting because I feel like I'm coming down some somewhere in between where I did feel that there was a satisfying end to this. Maybe it's just to that iteration of the TBA. Maybe that's what I, I found was a, a satisfying end to something. And now we're in a new TBA. Um, maybe that's kind of the sort of series arc that I've been able to grab onto. But I do also sort of agree that there is just such an unfinishedness to it. And yeah, I guess we we are used to a couple of years flying by, but you know, the last 18 months have been at least as long as the last 18 years. So at the moment <laughs> yeah. that does seem less less likely. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, here we are. Anyone got any other points they'd like to make? Just wanted to call out more rubber stamp action in the mid-credit scene. Mm. Yeah. Given we had many of our listeners are fans of rubber stamping from mm. the previous conversation on that. I thought it was a nice little, uh, little Easter egg for our listeners. Specifically, yeah, I feel yeah. very catered for in many ways by this episode, <laughs> at least two. So, um, can't complain. Well, we know if Loki starts doing maths next yes. time around hmm. <laughs> that someone's I, listening in, I will. Um, I'm gonna put the video of uh, Thomas Hiddleston reading maths equations. <laughs> it's very soothing, it's very it soothing. could be longer. I will say that, 
There's a lot more maths in the world that he could go through. <laughs> so, uh, there we have it. That's that's Loki done for now. Um, there'll be an episode next week in which they go through the making of, uh, which I think I really am looking forward to. That should be nice. That that'll be yeah. That'll be fun. I wonder, uh, in a sense, what they're going to cover in it. Like it, it's not like we've necessarily had kind of set pieces, so I hope it's just going to be sort of Richard E. Grant having fun and makeup and <laughs> some costume-based conversation, perhaps. Um, maybe someone will talk about the interior deck, or we can yes. dream. I'm expecting a lot on that, yeah. Mm, and yeah. probably, hopefully, the music as well. I mean, you know, there there are many things about which I have complained in the past six episodes, and I hope it hasn't been too tiring. But um, you know, there's been some very very good aesthetic. And that's nice. That's if you can't get some aesthetic from your from your comic book shows, what what are you what are you reading there for? You know. Hmm. So I'm delighted that delivered so strongly. Any more closing thoughts from you, Matthew? And where can we find you? If anyone else has closing thoughts, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Matthew Vos. Laura, I'm at Laura Geeks Out. Any closing thoughts? I thought Mr. Hudson was particularly attractive in this one. I don't know why, but had he washed his hair? Maybe. It, was, Maybe that's it, what it, it was. had a bit more body, I felt. It did, didn't it? That's what it, it was. <laughs> he finally bloody did it. And I didn't. I was just. You'll have to watch again. It. I am going to have to watch it again. We'll revisit this next week. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I'll watch. <laughs> um, you can find uh, the marvellous Twitter at Eloquent Gushing. And I'm at this AE Shaw. Who's got a good Kylie sign out for us? <laughs> I don't have a Kylie one, but I was thinking for for all time always seems to be. Oh yeah, that's that's probably the thing. Matthew, do you want to do it? No. I did the last one, and it's better if it's a different voice to Abby, so there's contrast. Otherwise, it kind of sounds like she's continuing. So, dance for all time always. Dance better. (laughs) (laughs) You should be so lucky. That's it. I'm putting all of that in. (laughs) 